What's up, party people? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Andy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter, Andy Nickerson, for as long as Twitter is pretending that it's a thing. And also at Romancing Nancy on Twitter, which is more related to the actual books that we're talking about. This episode is based on the mystery of the 99 steps, which sounds way spookier than it really should. Um, This is book number 43 in the Mystery Story series, and this was originally published in 1966. Trigger warnings before we even begin that this one involves a chapter in a cliffhanger involving an enormously fat lady. And, of course, there's going to be some George on best fat shaming, as always, like that is the bingo card for these books. It's like, if George doesn't fat shame best, are we really even reading an answer to your book? The other thing is that there is some racism, which, again, I feel like is a given for these books. Um, There's been the thing in the news recently about the real doll books being revised, like some unfriendly language is being removed, which, sure. Also, like, I feel like it's funny that the original Nancy Drew books were revised, not just for racism reasons, but also to remove the anachronisms. But, like it removed like a tenth of the racism like it's still very much there so did we really achieve anything i don't know anyway this book is really fucking weird honestly (laughs) remember how i've talked before about how i like i think fondly back on when nancy was just helping people who had been like downtrodden by society or the government or been swindled and she was like i'm here to help you i'm here to recover some cash I don't love the ones where she's not actually, like, direct, directly helping people. I mean, they're fine. They're fine. And again, you know that the main reason that I read any Nancy Drew book is, is their nud content. The fucked up thing about this one, and last week in Phantom of Pine Hill, oh my god, like, could there be a hornier book? The answer is no, not in 1965. But honestly, like, there's so much Nancy and Ned content that I was just overwhelmed with joy. Ned is not even fucking mentioned in 99 Steps. Like, they're like, I haven't heard of him. It's the Mariah Carey gif where it's like, I don't know her. Like, holy shit. Like, Nancy flirts with a guy for like two minutes and that's about it. And she's not like, oh, my special friend back home who I may be pregnant with his child. There's none of that happening in this book. There's none of that. This one's real fucking weird. And I think that we may have talked about this before, but Perry Mason and Nancy Drew are roughly contemporaries. Um, the first Perry Mason books came out in, uh, uh, mid 1920s. Nancy Drew first came out in 1930. Um, so they were being published at the same time. Like Perry Mason books were being published through the early seventies when, um, Earl Stanley Gardner died. Nancy Drew books, of course, are being published to this day. Um, there's a parallel universe where Perry Mason is Nancy Drew's father. (laughs) And I'm here for it. I'm I'm legit here for it. Like, Perry Mason had to go on the run from the mob, and he became Carson Drew. So, the weird thing about this one is that Carson is investigating a case involving a French financier who has been apparently selling off his securities and his investment in various businesses, which is bad because it's, like, destabilizing. To the point that they're like, is he going to fuck up the local economy? Um, which seems a lot, but then we have Elon Musk. So I was like, I can kind of see how this would shake out. The weird thing about this is that Carson is referring to this to Nancy as the case of the frightened financier. And I was like, 
That is 100% the format that Perry Mason book titles usually take. There's usually alliteration between the last two words, and it's always the case of the. And, like, I think there may be one that's different, but that's it. Seriously. Some of them are not, but a lot of them are that. And I was like, are we doing some interesting crossover work here? So that means that when you are mentally fantasy casting this one, that the role of Carson Jewel will be played by Raymond Burr. Does this change things? A bit. Um, Also, it means that there's a lot of shenanigans happening off screen that we are not privy to. And there's going to be some murder. But there's not in this book. I mean, not not that I'm aware of. Maybe there was. Maybe there are some corpses stacked up in a corner somewhere. Um, So, Nancy gets involved in this case because, first off, her father is headed to Paris. Um, Actually, the, the guy does not live in Paris. He lives, like, near Paris, I'm pretty sure. But anyway... I think that's where he does the majority of his business. He, um, some people that are close to him, like I think the one's named Tremaine, has con- have contacted him and said that they want him to kind of intercede on their behalf with this guy, like find out what the fuck's going on, because he won't tell anybody what the fuck his strategy is or what's going on here. And I'm like, clearly he's investing in crypto and he's just real, real embarrassed about it. And he's like, I don't want to tell my friends because they will tell me that I'm wrong. And they would be correct. So there's that. Um... So Carson wants Nancy to come over basically just so that she can see Paris, which I don't think that she has seen Paris up to this point, which again, deeply romantic city. Why is Ned not with you? Um, did Carson find out Carson slash Raymond Burr found out the extent of your relationship and he was like, I think y'all need to take a break from each other. The weirdest thing though, is that this one is set in June, which the previous one was also set in June and there's no reference to any of the, in every fucking book. They're always like, Nancy has solved many cases from The Secret of the Old Clock to whatever the previous book is. So Phantom of Pine Hill does actually get a mention, but that's it. That is it as in terms of continuity. Was this one written by a different ghostwriter? That's entirely possible. Um, There was a point at which Harriet Stratemeyer Adams basically took over the writing of the series. So uh, it could be her, could not be her. IDK. So anyway. Um, Nancy invites Bess and George over because she wants to tell them about the case she's investigating, which is kind of like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, we're investigating two different cases and they are intertwined, which again is why kind of the Nancy Drew Hardy Boys super mysteries are so fucking frustrating to me because I'm like, yeah, Nancy and her dad do this all the time where her dad is investigating a thing and Nancy's investigating another thing and they have a crossover event and maybe some jet skiing. Um, so I'm like, but, but you two are dumbasses. I stand by that. Um, Also, the Hardy Boys are in public domain now. I'm so excited for us! I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's going to be bad. Uh, (laughs) So, Nancy's investigating, though, the mysterious case of Mrs. I think that her name is Mrs. Blair. And I'm going to say this, it doesn't fucking matter. And I'm going to cast Kira Knightley to play her. Kira Knightley is currently 37. Mrs. Blair is 40. I'm like, this is close enough. Kira Knightley. So Kira Knightley is in her apartment. Okay, she has invited over her nieces from France, who are French, as you might have guessed, but she doesn't have enough space to keep them. And so like Carson Drew was like, hey, they can stay at my house. Uh, Nancy's gonna be coming over to France anyway. It's kind of like an exchange program. So Nancy's talking to Bess and George and she explains this and George is like, am I being exchanged for a boy? And I'm like, again, y'all just blowing that air horn. Yes, that's fine. Um, Nancy's like, no, it's, it's just the two girls. It's fine. Um, so yeah, they're going to stay over at Carson Drew's house. Well, Nancy and 
her father are away in France. And of course, Hannah is going to stay home and make sure that no shenanigans happen for reasons. But she's like, Bess and George, are you guys cool going to France? And they're like, what the, why would we not be? You know us. We are on the run from the mob. And also France sounds like a good place to wait until the heat gets off us. I'm going to pause here. I have this, this, okay, let me, let me explain the premise of Nancy's mystery. Nancy's mystery is that Mrs. Blair, the Kira Knightley, has contacted her and has been like, okay, I've been having these weird dreams. I don't remember how exactly they've been talking to each other. Nancy asks if the girls know her and Bess is like, oh yeah, she lives in an apartment house near our, near where I live. And I was like, again, the books can vary wildly between like how much distance is there between Bess and George's houses and between their houses and Nancy's house. And is it walkable, etc. But like, it's interesting to me that they're saying that there's an apartment house nearby because again, like Bess, George and Nancy all live in established, like old, old wealth neighborhoods, almost like definitely at least upper middle class. So yeah, uh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, but she, she has recently lost her husband and her son in a car accident and then she like sprained her fucking ankle and they're like she just can't catch a fucking break and I was like that that's legit that's that's definitely legit but she's also been plagued by these dreams that have been like and she doesn't know why they've come back she doesn't know why all of a sudden she's having these dreams about this um I guess I do know I guess we don't really get to the root of it in the book Nancy is not a psychologist or a parapsychologist as the case may be um the dream that she has is that she is blindfolded. She's a child. She's blindfolded and she is like stepping forward and somebody says 99 steps and she is terrified of falling. I don't remember if like maybe part of it is that she does in fact fall, but she's, she keeps like having this nightmare over and over and over. And Nancy's like, I think she's processing past trauma. I'm going to find out what the fuck happened. And instead of being like, maybe some powerful therapy, which seems like the actual answer to this question, she's like, I'm going to fucking go to France where she grew up and I'm going to find these fucking 99 steps and maybe burn them down. I don't know. Maybe that will help. (laughs) It makes no fucking sense. It just makes no fucking sense. Anyway, but Nancy's like, I'm going to help this woman who clearly has PTSD. And I'm like, are you though? Are you? I don't know. And anyway so nancy's asking her like do you have any any clues as to where these 99 steps might be because again like what how is nancy being in france going to exercise this particular demon and that that is not impact at all um she's like oh yes so she actually has her mom's diary and she finds out that i think that the nieces are the daughter of her like much younger sis i don't remember how the fuck this there's something about her sister's younger or whatever. But anyway, um, so she's looking through the diaries and she finds a note about her, her, I guess she refers to her as her nanny, who would have been taking care of her while her parents were traveling. And she kind of thinks that maybe the nanny was, maybe the nanny might remember something. Like maybe the nanny might remember the traumatic event that she keeps re-experiencing in her nightmares. But she doesn't remember her name. And so she goes through the diaries and she finally finds a, like her the nanny's name actually written out, which is good. Um, she also finds some references to places where her parents traveled. And she's like, it could have been nearby one of these places because we would have traveled with them. It's just the nanny would have been there to help out. I don't think it's ever explained why the fuck her parents are traveling. Like, I don't know if it's that they were on the run from the cops or if they just really liked sightseeing. Were they archaeologists? No idea. None. No, no idea. 
Nancy's telling her friends about this, and it's a mysteriously cool June day, and I was like, global warming has stricken us even then, when all of a sudden they hear a helicopter overhead, and Nancy's like, what the... I am deeply familiar with the sound of helicopters due to my wartime experience, and I do not know why a helicopter would be near our house. So they, like... I, I think that they, like, are able to see out the window that is indeed a fucking helicopter, and... Or something like that. But the stupid thing is that the helicopter goes close enough to Nancy's house that it fucking puts a downdraft down her chimney. And because Nancy's standing near the fireplace at the time, it fucking blows like cinders and like lit shit onto her. And she's like, what the fuck? And so her friends are like patting her down. And then the helicopter just returns from whence it came. And Nancy's like, what the fuck? What? what is this shit? And so George is like, that was deeply dangerous. And Hannah comes in and is like, what? Now I have to clean the entire room. And I was like, that's fair. So they're like, Nancy's like, tomorrow I'm going to go to the airport and give him a piece of my mind. And I was like, maybe go now. Maybe, I don't know. But like, she goes upstairs to take the fucking bath. And I was like, again, I would go in full char and I would stand in front of the person at the airport and be like, hello, do you see what has happened to me? Get somebody on the fucking phone right now, you piece of shit. Like, go full Karen. Just do it. But she doesn't. She doesn't. She's like, I'm going to bathe first. I need to look cute for this. <laughs> sure you do, hon. Maybe put in some hair extensions. Just go full out. Maybe some pleather. So she actually goes up to the airport, and they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Um, we, we rented out a helicopter to a guy who, like, they wanted to go check out your house for the helipad. And Nancy's like what helipad? And the person's like, oh, well, they had this letter from, like, AB Helipad Company. Well, I was like, like Acme Helipad Company. Um, that your dad wanted a helipad installed, and that seemed legit, because y'all are doing international shit constantly. And Nancy was like, okay, no, we don't want a helipad. Um, did he give you a name? And he's like, yeah, um, James Chase. And Nancy's like, yeah, that's not a fake name. Okay, thanks. Bye. So, of course, Nancy calls the police and she's like, hello, police. <laughs> my personal bodyguards. Um, Somebody fucking, like, swatted my house using fire and maybe get on that shit. Okay. The other weird thing that happens is, and I can't remember, I think that um the girls come over. It's the, the two nieces, whose names I do not recall and do not care about. Their names both start with M's, maybe. So they come in, and Nancy's like, oh my god, you guys are super cute, and I, we were going to love having you here. And so they just, like, break into song like they're the Von Trapps, and Nancy's like, I'm here for it. Let's do this. Let's have a tiny French concert. Um, they're like, oh, we don't want to inconvenience you. We just enjoy singing. And anyway, so it's cute. Um, but the other thing is that like, there's a knock at the door. Nancy goes to the door, opens it. And there's a guy with, again, every fucking criminal has to have either all your shit monogrammed or some sort of like obvious physical difference. So this guy has unusually long arms and legs. And I was like, he has Marfan syndrome. Um, but he's like, is this the house of Mr. and Miss Drew? And Nancy's like, yeah. And he's masked as well. I was like, oh, he has, he's taking COVID precautions. We cannot help but stand. Anyway, so he, he hands her a note and Nancy, he's wearing leather gloves. Nancy's like, why the fuck is, it's June. Why are you fucking wearing leather gloves? She ain't here for it. And he's like, he hands her the note and then he just walks off. And Nancy's like, I don't, I don't have any good feelings about this. This all seems bad. So she like holds the envelope as gingerly as she can, takes it upstairs, like thoroughly washes her hands, puts on her own pair of leather gloves and then opens it. And I was like, I like that she's like, or anthrax, anything could be happening. 
the world is chaos. But instead, it's like, um, Mr. Mosianif says, fuck off. Or anyway, it's like, it's a warning note. Like, bad things will happen to you if you don't stay home. Or bullshit. Um, that's the other thing. Um, the Kira Knightley received a letter that was like, don't tell anybody about the 99 steps. And it was signed Monsieur Neuf. And Bess is like, Mr. Nine. And I, again, all three of the girls are fucking fluent in French. And you're like, of course they are. Of course they fucking are. So Mr. Nine. But, and again, I'm getting like dumbass spy vibes where it's like, yes, we have all of our secret codes and messages and blah, blah. Um, the other thing that Nancy finds out when she goes to talk to Kira Knightley is that her parents, I guess, had like a little dabbling interest in alchemy. So they taught her some stuff about it. And so she's like, yeah, they had code names for things like Green Lion and Red King and, and all these things that were like, because alchemy had been banned and was considered, I guess, like subversive for you to practice. So they have all sorts of like little code words and things. And she's like, that feels related to this. Like they were also into astrology and predicting the future. And Nacy's like, of course, why would you not be? Um, but anyway, so she receives the note. And I think that after that, she has to like take Bess and George home because it's been a long day full of fire and also madrigals, which is what the girls are singing. So she takes Bess and George home and she's on her way back home when the dude that's, that handed her the threatening note, like all of a sudden like stumbles into the roadway and is like, oh, help, I'm sick. And Nancy is like, oh no. And then she fucking locks her doors and speeds off because she's like, fuck her. <laughs> dude is just laying there on the road. And so she looks back and he's like picking himself up and clearly is fine. And she's like, I thought so, bitch. She ain't here for it. She ain't fucking here for it. Which, I mean, I would love if she was like, let me go get a doctor or some shit. But she's like, nope, fucker, nope. I'm going to pull a shift. <laughs> I'm done with your bullshit. She eventually finds out that there is, I think that his last name is Albert. I'm going to fuck up all the French, y'all. Um, I think his last name is Albert. And I think that it's Claude Albert. I think it is. I don't, again... If you've sensed that I'm like, I'm not cracking up in this book again, you are correct on that. Um, yeah. So there's that. Um, Nancy and Hannah, after the events of the day, after especially after a dude like threw himself into the roadway and was like, I'm sick. And also there's a baby nearby and I haven't had water in three days. Whatever the fuck he was trying to. They were like, we're going to set the burglar alarm. I'm so glad we had it installed. And I was like, you need like a line of human beings surrounding your house at all times. Like their arms linked, all of them on like coked up, just waiting for shit to go down. I'm not saying machine guns. I'm just saying human beings. But anyway, um, so they set the burglar alarm. Dude tries to fucking break into the house. So that happens. Um, and then like almost, and this is the night before Nancy's supposed to leave for France. Um, then like, Another person tries to fucking break in through a different window. And Nancy's like, what the, what the fuck? When they go outside to check the footprints, because this is where we're at, y'all. They're, they're stilt prints. They're just little circles. And Nancy was like, someone on stilts tried to break into our house. And you're like, this is a Stephen King book. And you need to get the fuck out, burn it down, salt the earth. But she's like, I'm going to go to France. Anyway, 
there's also this other fucked up thing. And you're, do you remember when, like, Bess and George were in all of the community theater? You remember all those books? Well, they're doing it again. And so, like, the night before Nancy's supposed to leave, they call her and they're like, Nancy, you need to come perform. Oh, we don't care what you do. Tap, dance, paint something. Tell a story. We don't fucking care. We need another warm body for this thing that we're doing. And Nancy was like, um, no. Um, I have to go talk to Kira Knightley. But the... The French girls, they can sing, and they've even brought costumes, which is hilarious because they're like, oh, no, no, we couldn't possibly. We're not good at singing. And then they were like, we may have costumes, though. We came to bring them to our aunt. And I was like, bullshit, bullshit. Y'all just love dressing up in, as French people and singing madrigals. You're like, they are French people. And I'm like, but even Frencher, they're, they were going to rock some Paris hats or berets, if one must refer to them that way. Anyway, so, yeah, it's it's so fucking weird. Nancy was like, I still can't do it. I've still got cases happening. How, how do you not know this about me? We've been doing this for 36 years now. But anyway, that's not actually true, because Bess and George weren't in the first books, but anyway. Um, yeah, that's still close to that, though. So, I, th- I feel like there was another, like, clue that Kira Knightley had, but I it'll come to me. It'll come to me. The other thing that happens is after somebody attempts to break into the house, like there, somebody propped a fucking sign into Nancy's car, like that you could see through her back windshield, which, and it's written in green crayon. And it's like, beware the green lion. And it's illustrated with a line drawing in the book. And Nancy and Hannah see this and Nancy's like, huh? And George, when she hears about it, is like, yeah, somebody's just trying to fuck with you. And Nancy's like, well, clearly. But, I mean, it's it's pretty dumb, though. A green lion. Who are the green lion? Like, what the fuck? This is like, you're in Arthurian literature, and you're going to need to be jousting soon. Like, that's going to be your jousting guy. Oh, my God. Before we return to our book, Already in Progress, um... It's 1966 in the United States, and we've talked before about how during World War II, they really didn't want to date the books by referring to the fact that we were at war, so they just made very, very, very subtle references, like, oh, there are no boats, and Ned's in South America, for vague reasons, um, so there's that. 1966, though, it's interesting to me that they would not in any way have Nancy make any sort of references to the civil rights movement. I'm just going to throw that out there. There is some stuff that happens later in the book that I, if I squint, I can make it work because I'm good at that. But it's also like, she doesn't refer to like any sort of protests or discussions of rights or anything like that. And my first thought, because, you know, I love a good conspiracy theory was that of course, if Elrond is not involved, um, it's possible that the government was like, we can't have her getting involved with the Freedom Riders because she would make that shit work. So we're going to have to send her to Europe. Uh, <laughs> sure. But yeah, there's, there's just absolutely no discussion of what was going on at the time. Like just not. And again, sending her to Europe feels like a way to just kind of actually just really lean in on the colonialism. Um, especially given what happens when she gets there. So Nancy, according to this book, has not been to Paris before, and there have been books where Nancy goes to New York and she treats it like it's the first time, even though you're like, you've been several thousand times. Like, at this point, every other week, you're like, Aunt Eloise, let me come stay at your apartment and investigate some crimes in New York City, where the cops are apparently completely inefficient and terrible, as they are in River Heights. Um, even though, again, like... After Nancy was like, yeah, two fucking different people tried to break into my house last night. Um, they actually 
like, we're like, okay, maybe we should form a human chain around your house. Maybe that's the only way we're going to catch anybody. Um, I don't think I mentioned that the dude that they have in prison, who again, has extremely long arms and legs, which again, Marfan syndrome, um, only speaks French or is pretending he only speaks French. And so he's not communicating with them when they ask him anything like, what's your real name? Anything like that. So, but they do assign somebody who can speak French to watch him while he sleeps in case of whisperings while sleeping. So as one does. When they get there, the girls are like, the Arc de Triomphe, and the the toy fell. And I think that the first thing they actually want to do is to see Notre Dame, the cathedral. So they show up. Um, of course, Raymond Burr, who was playing Carson Drew for this episode, is like, I was lost without you, my darling. And you're like, you know you were, huh? And you know it. Good job. Um, but they decide to go there first. Um However, he says that there's a place that they can go, like, that's across the sin that they can, like, climb up to a good observation point instead of actually going up in the cathedral. And I think that they do walk through the cathedral. I think that they tour that one and maybe another one. So they go to this, they, like, have some tea or whatever. Um, they're never jet lagged. I need you to know that. There's never a, like, oh, my God, I'm so woozy. They're like, I'm just raring to go. I did a line of coke on the plane. Fuck it. And, of course, they slept during the flight. So, um, when they get to this place that has the observation post, um, Nancy and her friends are heading up the stairs. And Nancy is like, these stairs seem incredibly dangerous. Also, she's counting all the stairs that she encounters. She's been like, okay, I'm going to find these nine and a fucking steps, you pieces of shit. So, she's counting the steps as she's going up. But she's like, no, there's way, way too many. Um... But she's like, these are really cramped. Like, if anybody tries to come down while we're going up, like, we're going to be fucked. So, of course, an enormously fat lady starts coming down the stairs. And that's a chapter in the cliffhanger where Nancy's like, I'm something horrible is about to happen. Like, I'm about to be flung bodily down these stairs. So, the lady comes down the stairs, like, just knocks Nancy down until she gets to a place where Nancy can like stand aside so the woman can pass and she's like pulled on and just heads out and like Carson has to catch Bess and George who also get caught up in all this bullshit like all of them are like bracing themselves against the wall and everything and the woman heads out and they're like son of a bitch like they don't it's kind of weird because again Nancy had acknowledged that even if like somebody who was quite slender tried to come down their stairs it was still going to be fucked up Oddly enough, much like whistling bagpipes, where it's like, we're on a road that if somebody comes down these this road on the other direction, we're going to be fucked. So, Europe is all about, like, narrow, terrible lanes. So, which, uh, I kind of, I go both ways on this, because again, it's like a, oh no, the existential crisis of somebody who is a larger size. But also, it's like, the woman is like, what the fuck is she supposed to do? Like, clearly, this is not built as a place to accommodate her. And she's like, I would like to use it, though. So, um, I'm understanding that, you know, maybe just leave. But I hate that it's like, but she has to be real rude about it. Like, she doesn't look at Nancy and like say, well, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I need you to stand aside. And so she's like, you know what, I'm gonna blow through this bitch. And I respect it. I cannot help but stand. So they go up and they look at it and they talk about gargoyles and how gargoyles came about. Because again, some of the parts of the books function as travelogues. And they're like, oh, you've never been to Paris. You've never been to France. So let's talk about some interesting local color. 
like Nancy describes a local dish to Bess and she's like they like to eat raw meat mixed with a raw egg and also some onion and Bess is like I would like some medium to medium well done roast beef like she goes full southern at this point she's like also let's throw some biscuits on there so anyway so they see Notre Dame they they go by the Louvre which I think is hilarious because they mentioned first off they mentioned my favorite piece at the Louvre which is the winged victory which is the Nike of Samothrace yes and George is like yes that is a statue with wings and no head and Carson's like indeed and I think that they also mentioned the Venus de Milo and then they mention, of course Mona Lisa um so they go by and see all of these they do not comment on the fact that the Mona Lisa is tiny in comparison to its stature and like world culture but they only spend a fucking hour at the Louvre and when they walk in they're like we could spend the entire rest of our vacation here and I was like correct correct you could spend the like if you're gonna spend a week in Paris you could spend almost all of it at the Louvre and still probably not see everything so there's that they leave after a fucking hour and I was like I I have not even done, I don't even know where it would have been in 1966, whether the winged victory would have been close to the Mona Lisa, and you could have knocked that out in an hour, but anyway, it's fine. They're doing their sightseeing, they see the Arc de Triomphe, um, they see that the traffic is notoriously horrible, which, again, fair. They have to go to, it's um, Mr. Tremaine's house, he's having a soiree. Like, I love that they're like, we're going to throw all the French in here. And Nancy occasionally will be like, s'il vous plaît. Which, when the woman is trying to pass, she's like, oh, s'il vous plaît. And I'm like, oh, hon. And it's, it's fine. So, they go to the party. Of course, they're wearing party frocks. But as soon as, like, Nancy is getting out of the fucking car, like, another car comes up, fucking smashes head on into the car Nancy's in, throws her to the ground. Bess and George are in the backseat, and they're thrown violently into the floorboard. And I was like, this is pre-seatbelts. Um, all three of them are okay, but the doorman sees that Nancy has been, you know, violently attacked by a car and is like, maybe come inside and I'll get a doctor to check you out and maybe some ice packs. And like the doctor's like, yeah, you're fine. You just need to ice it up. Walk it off. Just walk it off. (laughs) They help Nancy clean up her dress and Nancy in effect does. She just ices it up for a minute. She's like, okay, I feel okay. Um, while she's at the dance, they are introduced to the frightened financier which I keep trying to say is financier, and I think because, A, this book is French, and B, because I keep hearing it that way because of the dish. So anyway, I apologize. That dude, LeBlanc, which I was like, is it Matt LeBlanc? And it is indeed not, but I would say that I want to say John Slattery for this. I want to say John Slattery. I want to say that it's Roger from Radman. Because he is a white-haired fox, and he has been just palling around with Carson. And I was like, that also fits Raymond Burr. So, they are having a a good old time. They're dancing. And then this, I think that Nancy actually dances with John Slattery for this. That's going to be his name from here on out. Um, With John Slattery for this. And he's like, oh, you're you're very pretty. Um, You know, three beautiful women who have come to see me. I feel very special. And Nancy's like, yeah tell me about your finance things, like curling a lock of hair on her finger. And he's like, yes, they're very complicated and important. And Nancy's like, mm-hmm, any, anything else you want to add? Like, you seem a bit stressed. Like, you might need a massage, but not a sexy one. Like, just, just a general massage. And he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. And so he leaves. And he goes over, and I think that, like, there's a dude in the corner that's, like, staring at him. Nancy sees this when she's dancing with Henry with an eye at the end who I'm going to cast as Doug Ray Scott from Ever After, because his name was also Henry. So anyway, the prince is like, he's not, it's fine. He's just a rando. 
I don't even know why the fuck he's at the party. Probably because he's Frank Hardy in disguise. Now I'm mad. Anyway, Henry, Prince Henry, is like, hey, girl, you want to dance? And Nancy's like, yeah, let's dance over there closer to that dude who is staring mysteriously at John Slattery. Who is dressed in full Arab garb, says the book, with all the asterisks. Um, like, yeah, he's dressed as an Arab. And Nancy's like, sure, sure. No one else at the party is commenting on this. Nancy, like, comes near, near him and she's like, oh, are you friends with the people hosting this party? And he's like, yeah. And Nancy's like, are you? Hmm. And then she goes over to the dorm and she's like, who the fuck is that? And he's like, I don't know. I mean, he, he must have had an invitation. And Nancy's like, uh-huh. Sure. Sure he does. He's the, he's the villain. And you're like, again, you're doing some racist stereotyping, huh? You are just racial profiling all over this place. She's like, Henry, I have, um, I got thrown violently from a car earlier, so maybe we can sit this one out in the garden. And I was like, if this were a Regency romance novel, she'd be half out of that dress within 30 seconds, but this is not because she's like Arab. (laughs) She is hot on that scent. So she, um, goes out there, follows him. He like, I think that she overhears him talking to Matt LeBlanc slash Roger. And he's like, I need to, like, tomorrow, something about tomorrow, I need to see you or something. He's like, okay, I'll bring it to the usual place or something. Anyway, so it's clear that, like, they have some sort of relationship going on where it's like, I'll have the thing for you or whatever. So, and Henry, of course, is like, oh, you're, you seem so cool. And Nancy's like, I'm, I'm the best. And also I need to go home. Bye. Like she's full Cinderella for this. Um, the Bess and George are like their experience is not even mentioned. I, I do love the idea of George being like, yeah, I'm just, just pretending I'm a girl. But anyway, it's fine. So they're going to stay in Paris for a few days because again, Carson is trying to get close to the dude and then they're gonna go to the aunt's house slash the mom's house i mean it just depends on how you want to think of it kate um i'm sorry not kate winslet i was mentally thinking about her for a hot minute because of titanic but anyway uh kira knightley if you'll remember her husband and her son are dead and so the two girls that are staying in river heights are her nieces the mom of the nieces is the one who they're gonna go like exchange at their house with which for like two weeks come on it's fine. Anyway, so they, Nancy finds out through Carson that they're going to, um, something like he's gonna meet with the guy or something. Um, he's been withdrawing money like fucking crazy. He's converted some of it into uncut diamonds. Like he's taken some of the money and apparently bought that with it. He also announces he's gonna fucking close down the plant that he owns or is running or finances or has a stake in. I, I neither know nor care. But anyway, and the people who work at the plant are like, son of a bitch. And Nancy's like, that's fucked up though. Like, what the, what is he doing? Because he won't talk to anybody about what the fuck he's doing. He does tell them that he goes home every night. Like, he does not stay in the city. He works in the city, and then at, like, four o'clock, he leaves and goes home. He's like, I sleep better there. And you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, or you got an apartment somewhere. It's fine. So, he withdraws a fuck ton of money, like, just a bonkers amount of money, and he is on the way home, and he is fucking robbed at gunpoint, like, when he reaches his house. Like, they take all the money he's carrying and that his chauffeur is carrying, and it's, like, a f- fucking ridiculous amount of money. 
Um, and apparently that is money that he was going to turn over for whatever it is. Like, they're like, D is somebody blackmailing him? Is there some sort of thing that he's investing in? Like, I just do not understand. Like, none of his behavior makes sense based on all the information that they have. So, um, they also, I'm trying to think, they go to, of course, a, like can't remember what exactly they call it. I think that it's like, it's a house that royalty stayed in, I think is what it was. And they get there like right at the end when they're supposed to like no more tours. And Nancy like sweet talks the guy, the guard at the front to be like, Hey, can we just take a little tour? I mean, just a little tour. When you're like, are you just like flashing guys everywhere? Like to the point that they're like, I would love to. So they take him around and let him look around. And I think that it may actually be Versailles at that point. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think it was a different house, though. I think it was. Anyway, they do go by Versailles. Because they're in France. They're fucking gonna go to Versailles. So, um, I, they go to La Toy Eiffel. They have delicious treats and some different cafes. It, it doesn't go into a, enough detail for me to get super excited about it. And I was like, I, I really wish that they'd done some of that. But that's okay. They don't, you know, it's fine. It's fine. She's got mysteries to track down. It's fine. So, um, I think that they do actually go out to John Slattery's house and, oh my God. So they do, all four of them go out there. This is after his, they had been robbed at gunpoint. They like, don't tell him that they're there. And Nancy and her dad go around one side of the house and Bess and George go around the other side of the house. And they're just looking for like, what what the fuck are you looking for at that point? They don't want to tell him that they're out there. They're just like, maybe we'll find some clues. And Nancy's like, what? I don't know. Anyway, the, the fucked up thing is that Bess is walking by and she's like, oh my God, there's somebody hanging from that tree. And George is like, what? And then she looks over and she's like, no, that's no, no it's just like a, a decoration or some shit. And I'm like, um, is this going to be our one illusion of lynchings? Is this how we're going to handle it? But anyway, so Bess is like, I don't want to be here. I'm creeped the fuck out. He doesn't know we're here. They probably have guard dogs. And George is like, Psh. and then all of a sudden a woman walks out of the house with like a mastiff on a leash. And Bess is like, what did I fucking tell you? Son of a bitch. So they make a run for it. Nancy and her father are on the other side of the house. They see John Slattery through the window who is like writing something in a diary and then he like gets on the phone or something and so they overhear him on the phone and, he, and the person is apparently like bring it to the orange garden and he's like very well I will do that um Nancy's like is the orange garden here like is he gonna do that right now but he's he like picks up a book and sits down and so they're like okay so tomorrow he's apparently gonna go to the orange garden so Nancy's like what the what could that be and her dad's like, well, there's a really famous lingerie at Versailles. And Nancy's like, okay, then that's got to be it. Like, what uh, what else could it possibly mean? And I'm like, uh, sure, hon. It's fine. Um, no big. So they go out the next day to, I think they go through Chambord. And they go to wherever the fucking house is that they're supposed to stay at. Which is like in the Paris, in the French countryside. And I don't remember where it is. And I fucking don't care. Um, I, I just really don't. They come up and the people are really nice. Their house is like modest. Again, you know, why would it, they're not like rich people or anything. I, I have no idea what they fucking do. It's fine. Um, but yeah, they're really nice. They have a little dog. Um, and Fifi, of course. And Bess is like, oh, that's so cute. Anyway, so the other thing they do is they want to do some sightseeing slash looking for clues. And so they actually go through the village that Joan of Arc went through, which... Bess is 
Bess is absolutely stanning Joan of Arc. And George is like, I also cannot help but stand. A woman leading an army. Have you met me? I am this person. And I was like, Joan of Arc was also deeply into having to dress as a boy so that she didn't get sexually assaulted. So also a win-win. That um, George's, I'm not going to say spirit animal because that's super weird, but like George is seeing a lot of herself in this person is what I'm saying. Or themselves. Um, but yeah. So they talk about her, and they do, like, a tiny little history lesson, and they talk about how Joan of Arc was asked to recognize the dolphin, even though she'd never seen him, and she was like, oh, it's this guy, not the guy who's dressed in gold on the throne, and anyway, so it's really cute, because they, like, fangirl over it, and they're like, I wish that I could get her to sign my little autograph book, however, she has been dead for quite some time. So, um, I think that they are, like, followed by somebody who apparently is wearing, like, a big old bushy beard, and when they follow him, like, he rips off the beard, and they're like, it's the same guy! Okay, so here's the thing. Dude who got arrested and is put in Jalen River Heights has a twin brother, and you're like, of course he fucking does! So, one of them is in the United States, and the other one is in France, and is following them around, because the first time they see him, they're like, what? Did he get out? And then they call Chief McGinnis, and they're like, okay, dipshit, are you just leaving shit unlocked? And he's like, no, no, he's here. So, Nancy's like, yeah, he's got a twin brother. So, they actually go to where they think he lives in Paris. And they're like, hey, so we heard that there's a famous alchemist who lives near here. And the guy at the door's like, uh, maybe. And Nancy's like, we love him. And also, like, where did he live? Because we're into that. We're, we just like to see where people live. And they ask him questions. They're like, oh, where does, he, where does his brother live? And the guy immediately is like, oh, well, he used to live in blah, blah, but I'm not sure right now. So, anyway. So, we know that we've got a, we've got a twin sitch. We've got, like, both of them seem to be at least mildly evil. Following them around and stuff. Um, Henry, I don't remember how the fuck Henry tracks Nancy down, but he's like, hey girl, hey. And Nancy's like, uh, hi. And he's like, can we, like, maybe take a little canoe trip? And Nancy's like, as long as that not that is not a euphemism, of course we can. So, they do take a cute little canoe trip. And Nancy is enjoying the scenery because Nancy... Whenever she's not around Ned, Reed's is completely fucking ace. Um, even when she's around Ned, you could argue that she reads as completely fucking ace. But anyway, so she's like, oh my god, it's so pretty around here. And he's like, you know it is. And she's like, yeah, I need to get back. <laughs> like, there's one, like, mildly flirty thing she says to him where he's like, I'm interested in doing blah, blah. And she's like, that sounds really cool. And anyway... They get back to the dock because, of course, he rented the canoe. And the guy at the dock is like, oh, your dad called and he wanted you to, he's on the phone right now. And so, dude is like, I'll be right back. He runs off to get the phone, which you're like, this is clearly a ruse. Um, long arm dude gets onto the canoe and pimp slaps Nancy into the water. Like, I'm not lying about that. He covers up her mouth so that she can't scream and, like, pimp slaps her into the water. She's like, what the, f-? she's stunned, as one would be, I would argue. Um, she, dude rushes back and is like, there was nobody on the phone. Oh my God, Nancy! And like, fishes her out of the water. And she's like, yeah, that was fucked up. (laughs) Because of course he, like, if you don't stay away from us, like, bad shit's gonna happen. Like, the normal threats. Normal threats. Nancy's like, I'm impervious to everything you can do to me other than pimp slapping me into a body of water. Anyway, so, because maybe, maybe, just maybe, she's a witch. So, she and her friends are... Um, they're trying to figure out where the 99 steps could be. And they go to, they do go to Versailles. Um, the, after he said that he's going to leave the, the money at the orange garden. So they go through and they're like, oh my God, a king lived here. And they're actually kind of like surprised at the living quarters, which 
fair. I mean, we're we're used to a different standard at this point. But they go through the Hall of Mirrors and they talk about the history of Versailles and everything. And um, then the the palace is closed for the day because you know everything is over. When they go to the Orange Garden, they see a chalk mark on one of the steps that says M Nine, which of course they know stands for Mister Nine, Monsieur Neuf. And they're like, Oh my God, it's here! Oh my God! Oh my God! It's the Beatles. Um, but they don't spot anybody. And then George spots somebody running away, and so she follows him. And then all of a sudden, like a fucking Benny Hill sketch, a door pops open, and a cane comes out with a crook on the end, and it grabs George around the fucking neck and pulls her inside, and the door slams. And Nancy and Bess are like, son of a fucking bitch. Who would have expected that? Neither of us is the answer to that question. So, they go, they, like, pound on the door because it's locked, and uh, one of the officers comes up, and he's like, what the fuck? We're closed. And Nancy's like, my friend just got literally yanked by the neck into the palace. And he's like, bullshit. And they can't find any evidence. And then Nancy finds a button off of George's blouse. And she's like, she was here. And so they do a search. And they find her on the fucking, like, Louis whatever's bed. They find her on the bed. She's passed out. Nancy's like, oh, my God, I hope she's just passed out. They go to the bed. And George is like, oh, my God. And Nancy's like, thank God you're okay. Because literally that could have snapped your fucking neck. So, anyway, yeah. Like, she got over. I think as soon as dude, like, grabbed her by the neck, like, that choked her out. Which, again, seems fair as a person who has never attempted that in real life. So, um, so, yeah, that that's fruitless. They can't, they don't find any evidence of that. They go around to the ruins of, like, a, a place that's near where the, the couple lives that they're staying with. But they don't really find anything there that's going to help them. They have found out the name of the nanny. So they found out her maiden name. But when they try to track her down, they can't really find anything from her. Like, apparently she called the house and was asked, called somebody's house and was asking about them. Um, But then they find out that her married name is, of course, the same surname as the twins. And so Nancy's like, yeah, this makes all kinds of sense. So... So they're trying to track her down. They track somebody down with the same last name and he can't give them any help. But he does occasionally get messages meant for the other person, of course. And Nancy's like, do you ever read them? And he was like, well, I read a couple by mistake because I opened them thinking they were legit discussed, you know, addressed to me. And they had a lot of like nines in them. And he's like, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what we're here for. So she talks to him for a while, and he, of course, has an interest in alchemy, so he tells him, like, some of the symbols that alchemists would have used, and talks about nines, and how nines were supposed to be, like, magical or mystical or whatever, and how, like, multiples of nine add up to also nine, and all this stuff, so anyway. Which, Bess is like, well, I barely remember school, but I do remember what nine times four is, and you're like, clear. So, there's all that. Eventually, they're like, maybe this one particular place is some that they they go to one of the ruins that doesn't make sense for what they're looking for. And they find a little there's a a boy there standing at like halfway down the steps in a full fucking suit of armor. And he's like, if you come any closer, I'll run you through. And Bess is like, I'm out (laughs) like immediately. And Nancy and George go down there. And Nancy's like, so that was a cool trick. And when he takes his mask off, yeah, he's like 12. And Nancy's like, how can, do you mind like providing some context? And he's like, oh, my dad has a suit of armor and I just wanted to put it on and pretend I was a knight. And Nancy's like, that seems legit. Also, do you know of any ruins nearby that people are just hanging out and looking shady? And dude's like, yeah, I do. But you're not supposed to go there. Like, all of our parents are like, don't go there. And it's haunted. And Nancy's like, so of course you've gone. And he's like, well, yeah, but we're not supposed to. 
So, but he tells her how to get to it. So, and there's one point where she's following a car that has the suspect in it. And she's like, uh, it's kind of near this place. So I feel like we're in a good place. When they go down there, um, it has 99 steps. And Nancy's like, I'm so excited that I can barely stand it. Um, but when they get down there, I think... Yeah, the first time they go down there, they see the guy who had been dressed as the Arab, who, again, is one of the long-armed twins. And he takes a chunk of coal, digs a hole into it, puts a little nugget of gold into it, and then, like, it, like he's doing some, some Elrond prep. So he puts that in the corner, and then um, John Slattery walks in, and Nancy's like, son of a bitch! Like, they're hidden at this point. Okay, Nancy and George are hidden at this point. Bess flat-out refuses. She's like, I am not going, mm-mm. Mm-mm. I will do the secret bird call if somebody is approaching, but I am not the fuck going down there. So, and again, fair. So they're hiding and the dude who is dressed up and we'll just like Albert, I think is the last name. Albert, who I'm going to dress like a, anyway, um, shows John Slattery that he, he says that he is an alchemist and he says that he has discovered how to turn anything into gold. So this is what has happened. John Slattery, who is a financier, um, he knows that pretty much everything is backed by the gold standard. And if an alchemist has discovered how to turn any substance into gold, then the value of gold is going to plummet tremendously. So he asks Albert to like keep it to himself for a little while longer because he needs to basically liquidate his assets and turn them into something else, which is why he bought the uncut diamonds. So, and he's like, you will have to buy my silence and all this bullshit. But anyway, so he's done previous like demonstrations to show that he's making progress on this. And Nancy's like, yeah, but he's fucking, he's fucking with you. Like he clearly set all this up. We watched him do it. Like, he, Mercury was involved. I don't fucking care. Anyway, so after they see all this, Nancy and George get out of there. They run back to Carson. They're like, and it takes them a while to get in touch with them, actually. Carson was spending a lot of time with John Slattery and is, like, exhausted because he's like, I just, I've been trying to talk to him. I've been trying to get him to tell me what's going on, and he fucking won't. And so Nancy's like, yeah, we figured it out. So they make arrangements to talk to him, and they're like, I understand that you're getting really nervous about this, but he's fucking with you. Like, he's asking you to pay him money because he's been showing you, like, magic tricks, basically. He's L-Ronning. He's L-Ronning. It's a verb now. So he's like, oh, my God, I've been such an idiot. And plus, he says, I've been so greedy that I didn't even, because he thought it was going to destabilize, basically, the world economy. And he was concerned about himself and making sure that he had, you know, enough set aside that he'd be okay. And Nancy's like, yeah, that was pretty shitty. Like, let's be real about that. So, um, they call the cops. And what the hilarious thing to me is that they actually see the long-armed dude in Albert in Paris, and they're chasing him. And, um, a cop stops him and is like, hey, what are you doing? And they're like, we're chasing that guy. And he's like, cool, why? And Nancy's like, but I don't know. Like she goes through and she's like, I, he hasn't done anything. Like there's no reason. It's just, I'm just racial profiling. Um, but she, she tries to tell the cop, she's like, I think that he's involved in something and I just want to talk to him. And the cop's like, oh, okay. And by then he's gone, of course. But it is interesting though. That they're like, yeah, you need more than that American to just pull some shit. Just saying, just, just going to throw that out there. So um, they get the cops involved. They explain to him that, like, this guy has basically set up this stuff to swindle him. Uh, the 
the gang has also gone to the house that Nancy and her friends are exchanging at. And they steal all the fucking gold. And they also anesthetize the dog. But it's okay. The dog lives this time. But, yeah, they fucked. And, like, the the mother is like, oh, my God, the expensive gold jewelry. And, oh, holy shit. And she's, like, really, really upset about everything. And Nancy's like, yeah, this is fucked up. So, but because dude is pretending that he can change stuff into gold, she's like, oh, he's... He's stealing stuff from houses to, like, pretend that this is the results of what he's doing. So he's just going to, like, melt it down and be like, oh, I I made this into gold. So it kind of makes some sense. So they get the cops. I'll, like, I think it's, like, two detectives. Bess and George are down there. I think that Carson's also down there. And, like, they're like, it's okay, John Slattery. Just go ahead and meet with him. and, And we'll, like, after he's, like... After we basically got the evidence that we need, we'll just take him into custody. So they get him down there, and dude is like, he's talking to him for a minute, and then he's like, ha ha, I know that you invited your friends down here. I saw them hiding here, and you're going to die here. And he picks up a sack of something, throws it on the fire, and then runs out and bolts the door. And one of the detectives immediately gets up, gets whatever the bag is off the fire and throws it and, like, douses it so that it doesn't, like, fucking explode and, uh, like, kill all of them. And Nancy's like, good thinking. And I was like, maybe you could have let Nancy or George do that. No big, no big, no big, or Carson. But anyway, so they do get out of there. Like, they find some way to break down the door. They recover him. They find gold in his robes. They f- And he, he confesses everything. He's like, yeah, um, I, I stole the gold. I convinced him that I wanted to, you know, do this. And, um, also, of course, his wife is the one who was the nanny. And so Nancy talks to her and they're, of course, the cops are like, yeah, we got to question her. And Nancy's like, well, can I, can I just talk to her first? She finds out that when the little girl, when, uh, Kira Knightley was three years old, that like, because she had taken her to a place that was near this exact place where the 99 steps were, she had just met Albert and she was completely taken by him and she thought he was fabulous, but the employers frowned on her like dating while she was supposed to be with her charge. Of course. So she was like, oh, let's play blind man's bluff to like have a game so that she would not see and then report back that her nanny had been hanging out with her boyfriend. So the problem was, of course, that she took her to the top of the 99 steps because the guy had discovered the place and he was like, oh, it's all set up. It'll be perfect for what I want. And he wanted to show it to his girlfriend. He wanted to show off. So they left Kira Knightley at the top of the steps blindfolded so that she couldn't see what was going on. And at one point, Kira Knightley like toppled over and started to fall down the steps and they saved her. Like she didn't actually fall, but she was terrified. Like she was waking up screaming from nightmares for like a while after that. And of course the nanny was like, oh, soon after, because they were like, yeah, you've been fucking around. So, and that was the, like the beginning of her downfall. The nanny, like she fell in love with this guy who was going to be a swindler. She had no idea. She didn't know, but like, dude is trying to convince you to, like, leave a three-year-old in perilous circumstances. I'm just saying. So, so they recovered the gold. Um, every, you know, they got through everything. The wife, they're hoping will get off with a lighter charge. But anyway, so, and Nancy is the last one out of the little alchemy shed because she wanted to be the one to close the door on this mystery. So, yeah, what have we learned? There's no such thing as alchemy. Um, if Elon Musk is dressed as an Arab and trying to sell you some shit, it's still Elon Musk or Elron. Either of those things is happening. Um, yeah. Also, Paris. Really trafficy. <laughs> I don't, and again, like, 
I feel like you could even look at the Joan of Arc thing and be like, oh, okay. So there is this whole, like, parallel of a woman in history who, like, stood up for things. And I'm like, uh, it's it's kind of interesting to me, though, because, like, Bess and George seem really fangirly over her. And Nancy's like, yeah, she's fine. Like, I mean, she's clearly in all of her, but it's not to the level that Bess and George are. And I'm like, because Nancy is that person, basically. Like, she, she fills that role. She knows that she you know, is the person who would do those things. And I'm like, but also we don't even get the, the relief of her going to talk to Kira Knightley and explaining what was happening. Like now Nancy knows and she can tell her and hopefully that will help her like get past her PTSD. But again, it's like somebody that you trusted left you in a perilous circumstance and like you would have died, like falling down 99, like raggedy ass steps. So, I mean, there's that. There's, it's just real, real weird. Real weird. Anyway, so. I don't know. I don't know. I, it's, yeah. Yeah. And plus no Ned. You know how I feel about that. You know that it makes me deeply sad. So there's that. So next week we're going to be doing Crossword Cipher, which, sure, hon, um, which has one of the most popular images of Nancy on the cover. I'm not sure if we actually discussed the cover of this thing. Um, Nancy and George are at the foot of the 99 steps. Bess is at the top, but you can't tell. She just looks like a shadowy figure wearing a dress. And Nancy and George both look a little bit like both determined and a little bit nervous, which that fits. It's as a cover, it's very dark and like not all that visually impressive. I mean, you're like, that's a lot of steps, but sure, that could be anywhere. And also, when you're doing the Nancy Drew puzzle, please note, that was the one that took me the fucking longest because it's a lot of just dark brown and black. So, yeah. So know that for future reasons. Um, Yeah, so crossword cipher next week. Hopefully there will be some net action. You know me, eternally hopeful for that. And until then, stay sleuthy, my friends. <laughs>